Executive Director of the New Zealand Initiative Think Tank, Oliver Hartwich, and he joins us now. Oliver, welcome to the programme. Nice to talk to you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Good afternoon, Sean. All right, I take it you have had a chance to look at these recommendations. Yes, um, I did have a chance, and uh, they didn't surprise me because um, the Climate Commission over the past few months had already flagged uh, the direction of travel. So what they pr produced yesterday and published on a Sunday afternoon, which is quite extraordinary, I think, uh, didn't really come as a great surprise anymore. So basically what they do is they want to prescribe how individual sectors of the economy can perform in the next few decades. So for example, we'll get vehicle standards. They are trying to move us towards electric vehicles away from petrol and diesel engines. Um, they will prescribe that can't, uh, houses in the future can't be connected to the gas grid anymore. So they want to phase that out. So you won't have infinity um, uh, um, heaters, for example, water heaters. So they go really into the details of how this country should be run. And your reference to Roger Douglas and his reforms, and this is going to be probably even stronger as a, as a direction, a um, change of direction for the economy are spot on because this is a completely different way of running a country. If you have a commission or in the future, of course, parliament directing individual sectors of the economy, how big they can be, how they can operate, how many cows we have in the country, that kind of thing. But I think there is a much better way of achieving the same objectives when it comes to carbon emissions. OK, and I knew you'd have an alternative, Oliver. So we can go through all this pain. We can have the nanny state interfering at uh, quite remarkable levels when you think about it in people's lives and people's businesses. Or could we reach our obligations under the Paris Accord a different way? Tell us what that different way is. Yes, um, so for, for a start, I am not questioning the goal. I take this as a given. We have signed up to the Paris Accord. Okay. We have an international Fair obligation. Enough. I'm not a scientist. I'm an economist, and I can hopefully inform the debate on how we can reach these commitments. Yep. So basically, when it comes to climate change, you have a few rough basic options. You could regulate, so you can basically prescribe, for example, emission standards for vehicles, things like that. You can tax, for example, with a carbon tax, so each ton of carbon is taxed at a certain price, or, and that's the New Zealand way so far, you can have an emissions trading scheme. So an emissions trading scheme, otherwise known as a cap-and-trade scheme, works like this. The government determines the total amount of carbon emissions in any given year. Typically, it's below the previous year. And then it leaves it to the market to determine where these emissions are going to happen because people who want to emit will have to buy emission certificates. That is a scheme introduced under the previous government of Helen Clark in 2008 by David Parker when he was environment minister. And it was perfected by James Shaw in the last term when he added the last element still missing from that emissions trading scheme, namely the cap. So basically, since late last year, New Zealand has had a fully functioning emissions trading scheme, which is capable of doing the job of determining where emissions will be cut in the future. It is probably the best such emissions trading scheme in the world. It covers 96% of the New Zealand economy and 50% of emissions. The difference between the two being agriculture is not part of it. But for 96% of all the things we do in the economy, we are covered by the emissions trading scheme. Most people don't know that. And it but is working. You it is working. When people fill their cars, for example, the um, petrol companies have to buy emission certificates on behalf of their customers. Currently, you pay about nine cents a litre. 
for emissions trading certificates um, when you fill your car. And you do a similar kind of um, emissions trading certificates purchase when you're switching on the lights at home, when you're heating your home. We are all part of the emissions trading scheme. And this emissions trading scheme is already driving um, decision-making in companies. I just had a meeting this morning with a company, actually, ironically, a gas company, that's shifting part of its operations to electricity because the emissions trading price is at $38 a ton. So we're getting changes in behavior out of the emissions trading scheme. Now, this scheme also is a cap-and-trade scheme. That means there is a cap. It prescribes for the economy under the scheme how many tons of carbon dioxide equivalent New Zealand is going to emit this year and the next year and every year into the future. So therefore, whatever the government does on top of that, regulation, subsidies, um, will not have an effect. And I can just demonstrate this. So if the government says, okay, next year we're going to emit whatever it might be, 60 million tons of carbon dioxide equivalent, if it then subsidizes electric vehicles, for example, all you do is you change the price of the emissions certificates but you're not changing the overall emissions because they are predetermined. So whatever the government does afterwards, after the cap is set, is totally futile because it doesn't shift New Zealand's total carbon emissions by a single gram of carbon dioxide. Wow. So this is all unnecessary. All we need to do is set that at the right level, right, the cap at the right level every year, and we can achieve our goals. If this is the case, Oliver... How come all the greenies and all the activists are screaming that we haven't met our targets and we won't meet our targets at current rates? Well, I suspect that they probably don't quite understand how an emissions trading scheme works. Um, and frankly, not many people do. I mean, it is a well-known thing among economists. And actually, when I studied economics, economics uh, 25 years ago, that's what we learned, how this system works. And in fact, there have been Nobel economics prizes awarded to economists actually researching how emissions trading schemes work. So economists know this, but the ordinary public and the ordinary politician probably doesn't. If they knew, they wouldn't do this because it is totally futile. We are spending enormous amounts of money now, probably even more so after the recommendations from the Climate Change Commission on something that yields precisely a zero grams reduction in carbon emissions. I mean, talk about cost-benefit analysis here. We have only costs but no benefits for the 96% of the economy covered by the ETS. Mm. What the Commission could have done, of course, they could have focused on agriculture, trying to get agriculture into the emissions trading scheme, maybe not at the full rate, maybe just at a dollar or two a ton, mm. but as a signal that we, we are trying to shift this sector in that direction too. The Commission could have also played a useful role in making sure that we could offset some of our emissions with international schemes, and uh, we need a commission to tell us that these offsets are credible. So, for example, what I mean is we could pay other countries to plant forests, and we know that um, there is uh, deforestation going on in the Amazon, for example. Now, we could help as New Zealand to um, stop this and reverse this, and in return, we would get some carbon credits, and I have seen studies suggesting that sometimes you can actually remove a ton of carbon dioxide from the atmosphere in some of these projects for as little as $2 a ton. Now, let it be $10 or let it be $20. The current carbon price in New Zealand is $38. You could become carbon neutral technically by offsetting this at a cost of, well, say, $150 or $200 million a year. So it wouldn't require us to do so any So you're saying we could, we could commit, say, well, let's up it a bit. We could commit $200 million a year 
to buying carbon credits and we would almost immediately meet our obligations under the Paris Accord? Theoretically, you could do that. Of course, um, I think politically, you would also want to shift New Zealand long term in a direction of lower emissions. So it is not an either or, but definitely international offsets would be a very good way of meeting some of our um, 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 obligations under the Paris Agreement. And uh, it is possible to do it that way. The problem is the Climate Change Commission yesterday ruled out these international offsets for the next years until 2035. They want to do it all alone in New Zealand without um, any international trading in carbon emissions, which I think doesn't make any sense once you take into account that New Zealand is, of course, only representing 0.2% of global emissions. But global warming, climate change, these are global challenges, global problems. So it doesn't really matter where you cut emissions or where you plant a tree. Therefore, if it's a global problem, we should be treating it in a global way as well. But unfortunately, the Commission is pushing us towards a very um, narrow nationalistic um, solution to that problem, and I think this will cost us dearly. All right, and you're saying that the measures announced yesterday actually have negative, well, have a net zero effect because we already have an emissions trading scheme that if we leave that to work and we set the cap properly, is going to allow us to meet our goals. That is exactly right. By the way, I'm not the only economist saying that. Um, as you hear, I'm, I come from Germany. In Germany, the Federal um, Economics Ministry has an Academic Advisory Council. They said this in the early 2000s because the um, Germans are part of the European Emissions Trading Scheme. At the same time, the German government was doing feed-in tariffs for renewable electricity, and the federal government's own advisors pointed out to the government, look, what you're doing is you're doubling up. You can't combine these two measures. Because you have an emissions trading scheme, the final outcome of emissions is predetermined. And whatever you do afterwards, you're spending a lot of money on it, but you're not getting any results. After that, by the way, the British um, um, Advisory Commission on Energy Policy, Ofgem, the regulator, they came to the same conclusion in a recommendation to the British government. And in 2014, believe it or not, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, that's the UN's top body on climate change. The IPCC, which we hear so much about, yep. Yes, the IPCC, in one of their big monumental reports, a report running over more than 1,400 pages, they have a um, passage in there where they discuss different methods of meeting climate change obligations. And the IPCC itself says, once you have decided for an emissions trading scheme, you cannot logically do anything else. So the UN's climate change top body says, once you go for an ETS, that's it. Don't try to combine it because it's going to be futile. And yet, this is exactly what they're going to do in New Zealand under the recommendations from the Climate Change Well, that's a big core, Oliver. You say all of this, in real terms, is going to have zero effect. Yes. It cannot logically have a positive effect because it is logically impossible, according to various international bodies like the IPCC, to combine a functioning ETS, such as the one that New Zealand has, with any other discrete measures such as emissions vehicle vehicle standards or subsidies or any other forms of regulation. It is logically incompatible to bring these two together. All right. So as an economist, in your opinion, what is really going on here? What is the agenda? Because Rod Carr's not a dumb man. James Shaw's not. No, he isn't. 
So what's really going on here? Is climate change being used as a stalking horse for just a general economical societal reset? Well, um, let me underline what you just said. Um, James Shaw is not an idiot. In fact, I think James Shaw was probably one of the better ministers we had in the last government because he perfected the ETS. He added that one component that um, David Parker and successive climate change ministers hadn't put in, namely the cap. That's what James Shaw did, and that is probably the biggest, single biggest positive contribution to climate change policy that we've seen in the last decade. So full kudos, kudos to James Shaw. He did a great job there. So they're not idiots. Where they're coming from, both James Shaw and probably Rod Carr, is they look at specific sectors of the economy, such as transport, and think the transformation from uh, internal combustion um, engine vehicles towards electric vehicles and plug-in hybrids isn't fast enough, in their view. And therefore, they think the ETS doesn't deliver. But they actually haven't thought about it properly. Because if you really think about it, a car, a typical family car, emits about two or three tons of carbon dioxide per year. Now, you can buy emissions trading certificates for about $150 to meet these emissions and um, get a permission to actually emit that much under the system. So that we're not starting with cars is not a flaw of the emissions trading scheme. It is actually the result of a properly functioning emissions trading scheme because there are way better, easier ways to cut emissions at a lower price. So you start with, for example, coal. When you're cutting coal um, burning, you are cutting emissions at a much cheaper rate than if you started with um, transport. So what politicians see is just that the transition in transport doesn't happen as fast as they would have thought, but actually they fail to realize that this is just how the ETS works. And over time, as we reduce the cap in the emissions trading scheme, of course, transport will come on board, but it will come on board precisely at the moment when it becomes economical and efficient to take transport more um, into the scheme than it was before. Would it be fair to say in broad terms, Oliver, the ETS is a system, and as you said, a, a system that is endorsed all across the world and by the IPCC itself, is a system which believes that a market operating under the science of market forces and market rules will deliver. And it is, is about correct. a free market and delivering. And it would seem yeah, to me I, then that our, that our politicians have lost faith in that or no longer consider that to be a philosophically acceptable way to deal with this issue. Yes, and I think there's a, a, an extra reason on top of that why bureaucrats don't like the ETS. If the ETS currently um, prices carbon at $38 a tonne, and if bureaucrats can come up with solutions that currently co um, cut emissions at a price of about $1,500 a tonne, I mean, look at, for example, the government's uh, initiative to remove coal boilers from schools. Well, the government estimates that that will come at a cost of $1,500 per tonne of carbon dioxide removed. Now, the ETS basically then shows that the government is inefficient. And it shows these bureaucrats how inefficient they are because you can more easily reduce carbon emissions by just taking a certificate um, for $38 and, and remove it from the system. So this ETS on a daily basis shows the government how inefficient it is in reducing carbon emissions, and perhaps bureaucrats simply don't want to be reminded of it. And that's why they hate the ATS with a passion. Yeah. Oliver, I'm getting quite remarkable feedback to what you've been saying through the text messages today. Do you feel that what you're saying gets 
the amount of coverage that it warrants in the current New Zealand mainstream media setup? No, I'm afraid it doesn't. Um, I mean, it takes about two or three minutes to explain how the ETS works. Typically, you don't get that. You've done a great job media, today, so by the way. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Um, if more people understood how the system works, there would be rallies in the street tomorrow because people would say, hey, Climate Change Commission, why are you doing all of this stuff when this doesn't make any sense whatsoever, when it runs counter to the ETS? when it requires us to make massive changes to the economy, when it requires us to buy different cars, when it requires us to have different heating and hot water systems for houses, when all of this doesn't even reduce carbon emissions by a single gram. If people understood this very simple connection between the ETS and the other climate um, policies proposed, there would be protests. And people don't understand this yet. And I think it is great that we're talking about this on air now. But I really would like to have a broader discussion with the whole of society so that people actually understand how the system works, that they understand that they are already part of this system because they are paying for the emission certificates at the petrol station when they fill their car. So I think greater recognition of the system, how it works, greater understanding of the economics behind it would actually spare this country from paying billions, and I mean tens of billions of dollars over the next 30 years towards policies that are totally futile. Oliver, um, fascinating to talk to you, and, and this came from a discussion we had at a very pleasant party late last year in, uh, in Wellington. Indeed. Thank you for coming on today. I think you've given uh, us a lot of food uh, for thought, and I hope, I hope other people pick up on what you're saying, and I hope that your voice does get uh, heard, um, despite the fact we seem to have a couple of large media organisations for whom the government and this commission can do no wrong. Uh, enjoy your day. Thank you. That was Oliver Hartwich, the Executive Director of the New Zealand Initiative. And it's 